Hello and welcome to the Courage to Be podcast, where we explore how to raise your game, lean into discomfort and have more impact and purpose. I am your host, Sinead Millard. Hello everyone. In today's interview, I speak to former All Blacks player Nick Evans. I have to say I did walk away from this interview incredibly energised and very reflective on some of the insights that Nick shared. Nick starts out by talking about his debut with the All Blacks and what that meant for him essentially living out his childhood dream. Nick takes us through some of the tougher moments that he experienced throughout his playing career, in particular being dropped by the All Blacks, and also the time that Nick took out to really reflect on that very painful moment and ask himself what had led him to where he was and what he needed to do differently to ultimately make it back into the All Black squad, which Nick did. It's interesting to hear about Nick's childhood. He talks about being a product of our environment and how his childhood, in fact, influenced both his playing and now coaching career. We hear about his transition from player to coach and some of the obvious challenges that come with any transition and how he has and is continuing to deal with some of those challenges. But that's all from me. I will let you hear from Nick himself. You're welcome. Brilliant. No, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's not often I sit across the table from an ex-All Black. <laughs> so cliche as it may sound, I'm going to start with that question. Let's go back a little. And was it your childhood dream to become an All Black? Yes, definitely. I think every kid that plays rugby in New Zealand, it's it's your dream to be an All Black. Uh, there are heroes. We're, we're still a young country in New Zealand. And um, we don't have royalty or, or anything mm. like this or, or big... Obviously, have the Anzac spirit in, in wars and things like that, but the All Blacks leading back to you know 100 years ago with Dave Gallagher and the uh, the Invincibles over there and the, and what they did, they became heroes for New Zealanders and it kind of grew and, it, and it's kind of passed down that you almost measure yourself against guys like Dave Gallagher, you know, sacrificed what they did for the war, but also they they pioneered the All Blacks and and went to the Northern Hemisphere and, and the results that they did and they beat everyone. They played this attractive style that no one had ever seen and, and that's just where it's come from. So as, as, as a young kid playing rugby, you, you, you're brought up with that, that, that mm. kind of knowledge and that, um, that experience that, that they, or the experiences that they experience and, that, and you want to be that. And so that's, that was intentional for you? That, like from a young age, was that, was that an intention that you said out loud or it's, that yeah. you he- held in your head? It was. I, I guess you don't say it out loud as a kid. I mean... My fondest memories were back in the days, like, like they do here, uh, afternoon test matches, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Everyone would be around the TV watching the All Blacks play Australia or or South Africa or whatever. And um, you'd watch it and then go put your All Black jersey on and, and run out there and, and mm. basically recreate what you wanted to, what you saw. And, and I was always Grant Fox, the number 10, and my mates were always someone else, John Kerwin, or someone was Buck Shelford. And, yeah. and, you, and you basically did that. And, and so it was almost ingrained in you that, that that's what you wanted to be. And obviously reality then kicks in. You go to university and, you know, you, you do your education and your parents are, are not quashing your dreams, but they're saying, look, you need to do this, you need to do this mm. and that. But... Um, if you're involved with like rugby that up like I was playing with your mates, then it was always a dream in the back of your head that that's what you wanted to do. 
And when that opportunity came up for you to turn professional, what, what was that experience like or what, what did that decision look like for you? I mean, uh, I guess I was always, I was always little um, mm. and uh, I was always constantly battling the, the stigma of size. I was, mm. I was pretty skillful, but everyone always used to say that, oh, you're, you're going to be a little bit too small to play. Um, you know, I was first 15 level, I was, well, I don't know, 60 kilos soaking wet. So I was a little, a little fella, yeah. but, you know, I was fast. Um, and so I, I never made really any, any rep sides. The, it's mm-hmm. funny enough, the first rep side I, or proper rep side I made was when I was 21. So I was just playing club rugby. Um, I was going to university. I wanted to be a physio at that stage. So actually being all black, in my head, I wanted to be an all black. But reality was that I probably wasn't heading down that pathway. I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to be a physiotherapist. I was playing club rugby because I love rugby. I was very, very competitive. Um, and then all of a sudden... As it is, you, you get seen at the right place at the right time. You get picked for a rep side, and um, and then all of a sudden the wheels in motion, and that, that's kind of where New Zealand is at. That the pathway is there. That once you get on it, can happen very very quickly. And uh, so I I started to, to to play rugby for for club, and then then North Harbour, which was the rep side. Uh, and in the space of two years of playing that, two or three years, I, I became an All Black. Um, so it can happen very very quickly. And obviously I'm, I'm juggling physiotherapy. You know I had to. My last year, I was, um, you know, we had placements, so you're at hospitals. Um, you know, I had to get up at five in the morning to go do my gym, uh, to then go to the hospital, do a rotation uh, at the hospital, and then try and leave early uh, to go to a training, try and fill in my rugby um, things that I had to do there. So it was tough. I, you know, yeah. I had to work pretty hard and time manage pretty well. But um, you know, when I became an All Black, or when I got the opportunity to become an All Black, it's yeah, it was amazing. It was like, like you said, it was every kid's. Every kid's dream come true. Yeah. Amazing. And I think many of our listeners, probably most of our listeners, will be familiar with the well-known book Legacy, mm. um, where best-selling author James Kerr goes deep into the heart of um, the All Blacks, reveals some of those powerful principles. But what I'm interested here today is, because I'm obviously sitting in front mm. of an ex-All Black, what your experience of the legacy was and how it influenced you as a player so and a person. yeah so the interesting thing is i was around when the whole thing happened uh mm-hmm. so 2004 i made my debut and at that time uh wayne smith graham henry steve hansen had, had, had come in um and we, we we had a group that was like not extremely clicky but there, there were there were kind of divisions we had a group mm-hmm. of older players that were kind of on their way out um mm-hmm. we had a group uh, of the middle that were just establishing themselves then you had young guys like me that were coming in that were all starry-eyed and this is amazing yeah. we're all blacks you know just living the dream mm-hmm. um and I, I would say if you look back honestly there wasn't like a big core leadership player leadership group or, mm-hmm. or, or proper leadership group that, that you probably see now with the all blacks and yeah and obviously if it was people that read the book if they're not uh, familiar with the book it all kind of culminated with a, a trip to South Africa where it was part of the the what is the rugby championship now the tri-nations and we got battered by South Africa and there was a big court session and, and things got out of control and um, it was just I think the all black coaches said look this is not what the all blacks are about this is not you know we don't want to coach the all blacks if this is the way it's kind of going to go and 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 something had to change and they got the core group of that middle bit that I said, mm. the, the, the the All Blacks that were kind of established for that, and they picked the leaders out of those, mm. kind of moved the older All Blacks on and de- developed a really core, empowering player leadership group. Um, and then that's where they talked about the values. So I, funny enough, um, I was in that 2004 bit. I was there. I saw it all happen. 
I unfortunately got dropped uh, that next year. And then when I came back, it was a totally different team. It was a different culture. It was a different um, like environment. It was, a, it was a different way they did things. There was a purpose about everything. Um, yeah. And there was accountability, which was probably the most important thing. And not so much accountability to the coaches, but accountability to the senior players. And, and they were driving that. Yeah. And I think just to maybe draw on, you talked about being dropped. And this is the thing that always fascinates me by professional players and your capacity to deal with this constant, you know, selection being dropped, mm. etc. Take us back to that moment. And what how was that experience for you yeah I, um it, it was a bit of a brutal way to get dropped because it was, it was I, i'd obviously come in as i said the the pathway was very quick for me playing um club rugby to you know semi-professional at north harbour itm cup to the all blacks was was one or two years um and actually super rugby to to the all blacks was one campaign so mm. you know effectively maybe four or five months my first super rugby campaign to the all blacks so it was a whirlwind and mm. I was riding the high on that and I did pretty well and when I came back from the All Blacks on my first time back to the provincial side I just didn't play very well I, I guess if I look back honestly it was uh, not complacent but I was just comfortable I thought well mm. I kind of got there and, and, and that was it and actually when they were giving phone calls they were ringing I remember was, Graham Henry was ringing people to tell them that they weren't going to be obviously part of the next squad um, and <laughs> I actually didn't answer my phone uh, so there was a message and obviously I thought oh this is probably not great and he said uh, and actually the message was oh Nick can you please it's Graham Henry Ted can you give me a ring and I think he was meant to push the phone down and turn it off but as he put the phone down it stayed on and he was obviously in the car because I could hear the car <laughs> and he was talking to his wife he said oh this is the worst part of, um, part of my job having to drop people especially when I have to leave a message for them to call me and obviously I'm listening to oh. this and I'm just like Oh God! So you know that was a that was a blow. it was a bit of blow. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny when I look back at it now, but at mm. that time it was it was hurtful. So needless to say, I didn't ring him back. Um, and but 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 what it did it was it allowed me to kind of reassess where I was. Uh, mm. It allowed me to look at what I was doing, um, how I was doing things, the processes, and what led to me to being dropped. Um, you know, I'm quite a, I'm a very competitive person, very independent. Mm. It probably stems back to uh, I'm very I I believe in everything. You're a product of your environment and. Mm. When I was as kids, me and my brother, we um, we when we holidayed or, or weekends or anything, we'd go. We're boat people, so we'd get taken out on the boat and we lived mm. on the boat. And so we'd wake up in the morning on the boat, we'd go ashore and we'd just roam, or I'd go by myself. So mm. I became very independent, but I became yeah. very very competitive, um, and I'd be very competitive around everything I did. And and so actually that kind of bring upbringing that I had uh, aligned to kind of the coaches that I had throughout my younger years yeah. allowed me to kind of look and not, not freak out, not just dismiss, oh, that's it, my chance is over. It allowed me to kind of reassess and then plan goals. Um, and then the next year after that, I managed to get myself back in. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been recently reading some of Ray Dalio's principles and just something that you've said there about that capacity to stop and reflect on something that's happened, right? Mm. That's not the most comfortable thing which at times we just may want to run from it. And yeah. I can't imagine sitting down, reflecting, saying, okay, why has this happened? But I think that there's something huge in that for listeners as well, is because those tougher moments, call them mini failures, whatever mm. it is we want to call them. I know I've definitely struggled to look hard at those moments and say, okay, who was I? How did I show up? What went wrong? And how can I do it differently? And I think it's just to, to really, you know, that's, I guess that's, 
a big part of being a high performing individual and a high performing sports individual is having to look at that in order to move forward so you actively change things from there on in is that correct yes i um and i was what was i 24 so as i said i i probably peaked late uh, mm. in terms of my rugby so i wasn't part of where you see now a lot of setups where young kids are taken straight from school into these environments, um, you know, high performance environments, and kind of taught these things. But mm. but also, it's a, there's a bit of a negative with that because they're told they're good at everything, you know, and then put into mm. these academy things, still thinking they're good at everything. They then come to us, and there's not a it's not humility, but there's a little bit of unrealistic of, of what the well the expectations are higher than actually probably what they thought, um, mm. and they're not actually as good. And there's mm. there needs to be a lot of learning. So. I learned that through club rugby. I learned that through the amateur side of the game. Um, you know, if I did things wrong, I had seasoned 30, 40 year olds who work, you know, I don't know, 12, 16 hours a day, then come to rugby practice because they want to bash things and smash things. And, mm. and th I had to learn very quickly on actually what I was doing wrong. Um, and, and they actually taught me actually how to kind of reflect a little bit uh, on myself. And I guess, um, I guess again, like my, my parents, my, my dad was mm. big on that. Um, he was, he, he wasn't like a hard parent or anything, but we always he always had a by the phone by our our, our fridge. Where back in the days now, we were no cell phones, but um, yeah. you know the old cord uh, like with a cord, and yeah. there was a poster that a little poster they'd put there there, and it had nobody ever remembers who comes second, yeah. and it was not like he kept saying it. But it was subconsciously every time you went to the phone, it was there, and you just stare That's at it and amazing. look at it. And it was, it was look, but and, and that was part of kind of one of these little things that added up, as I said, product of your environment of like right. I became a very competitive person, and to be be competitive, I had to. I, I found that to get growth and get better, I had to release the the the, the blame, complain mm. kind of part of me, uh, and actually reassess and go well why like ask the question why like why have i been dropped why is this not mm. working why does that not work uh and kind of look inward rather than outward first yeah. um and again I, it was something that i learned just through experiences you know I, I was young too and some things i'd be no nah, it's not my fault it's his fault yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff and but it, i kind of slowly learned that if i did that nothing would change Mm. you know if it was his fault well actually still nothing changes well actually if I look at myself and look inward uh, and actually maybe change something that I did even though it may have been his fault actually I might get a better result and something might yeah. then grow from that or I might grow from that and get yeah. better so yeah. yeah and I think as you're as you're explaining that as well I'm thinking I'm, I'm assuming this is an ongoing process that yeah. you continue to do and and you know, in many sports, it's common for top coaching positions to be held by former players and you went from being quote unquote a one club legend with yeah. Harlequins um, uh, to now coaching Harlequins and whilst your experience I suppose of being a professional player comes with you you're essentially in a new arena in a newer role how has that transition been for you um it's uh too tough like it yeah. has been tough um one just the reality of of coaching is completely different to playing uh the workload uh like the environment that you then work in um I think I coached a little bit lower levels while I was playing, so I had an mm. introduction, and I actually didn't, I never wanted to be a coach. Uh, mm. You know, I thought once I finished rugby, I'd go back to physiotherapy, and obviously, <laughs> the older I got, the longer that span went. Yeah. It was kind of unrealistic to go back to physio. I'd have to restudy and do all that. So mm. I started looking at other things, um, and then the opportunity came up to coach uh, at lower levels while I was playing alongside. So I found I loved it. It, it was challenging, mm. it was rewarding. Um, 
and then the opportunity came up to transition into coaching as you say a lot a lot of people are doing it now and it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be good at it um but again the i guess the competitiveness uh, of me and uh like the again the environment that that i was brought up in and created uh and it's funny, like, I've got very high expectations of myself. Mm-hmm. I actually had a conversation with my, my wife last night about it, and I'm very, very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect excellence of myself all the mm-hmm. time, and probably it's maybe a, bit, a little bit unrealistic, and the kids may get a, a bit of brunt of that as well, which is not great. What's uh, beside your phone? Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny you say that. It's not beside the phone. It's above the door on the oh way out. <laughs> so, so it's not great. But, but as you say, like, that, that's the environment I was brought up in, and, yeah. and I, I look at it, and it's got to me where I am, and I thought, well, and it doesn't have to be, I'm not saying it doesn't have to be rugby for the kids. I've got, uh, mm. you know, 14 year old stepdaughter, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be like drama, it could be music, it could be anything. Yeah. Boys, you know, one's sporty, one might not be, who knows. Mm. But um, the, tra- the transition to the coaching side of it, um, just more of, of, of time management for, for me is, is, mm. has been the hard part. I've come from rugby for 17 years where you basically get told what to do. Mm. Um, you eat here, you physio here, mm. you, you train at this, you then go home, you do this and that. And then all of a sudden you go to coaching and it's, it's like a normal job. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you, I've got these things that I have to do to prepare a team, um, but I have to fit that into the day and make sure that, that the, the clarity is there. And, the, um, and again, you know, alongside the other coaches, that the environment is right for these people. Um, mm. And, you know, again, you, you don't get an opportunity to kind of just learn that. It's, I was kind of like thrown into it, which yeah. is what I wanted, which was great. Yeah. And again, so there was a lot of personal reflection on, on right, right, what am I doing? And a lot of like, wow, am I doing it right? Like, what am I yeah. doing? Is this the right way? Because you don't know. As rugby, you, you either have a good performance or a bad performance. So you know there's almost like an easy and measurable outcome. Mm. But as a coach, it's some things might not be right, but it could be actually you are doing things well. So mm. I'm finding that quite tough at the moment in terms of self-reflecting and, and being able to not be too hard on myself because yeah. I am very hard on myself because I guess it's it's allowing yourself as well like the reality of it is so much of for learnings or philosophy or ways of working come through actively doing it and experiencing yeah. it and there's like how, how long are you into coaching this now? Is my third year so well, I'm still yeah, so very, still young. Early days. very young yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. Know, you but think that that coupled with your competitiveness and the yes. expectations it's yeah <laughs> it, it is it is it's, it's a fine balance and you know it go on being being overseas with uh, with a young family and time management for mm. them you know we talk about care units in our family about you know i've, I've got all the, i've got a bottle of say air or, or care units and it's filled up with yeah rugby at the moment you know yeah. pre-season and then you come home and you've got a three-year-old that wants it and then you've got a six-year-old and a, and a mm-hmm. 13-year-old that doesn't want it but actually really does want it mm-hmm. um and then you've got your lovely wife who <laughs> gets a little bit at the yeah, top and, and it, but, but it's all like it, it's just kind of managing the expectations and, and managing that workload and ultimately getting the performance out of the, out of the team and yeah and again it's it's, it's something that i'm learning with and and trying to work in with the coaches and, and how best to do that yeah and I, I'm guessing there are players that you are coaching that you once played with mm. former teammates yeah. how is that I think it's been good I think yeah I played nearly 10 years with mm. like three four five of them um, and no, they've been great I think mm. again the the way I was as a player um, kind of helps me help me with that transition you no know, I um, 
I, I, I would not blow my trumpet, but, but I work extremely hard. You know, mm. I, I was very passionate about rugby, as you can probably guess. Like, yeah. uh, to get to the top, I think you have to be. And I think if you're passionate, it allows you to sacrifice things to get mm. to get there. You know, the the off field stuff and and what you're doing. You know, you're driven to be to be mm. that. And I think I kind of led that when I came over. I wanted to. I didn't want to come over for the paycheck as a as a New mm. Zealand rugby player. I think a lot of people see people when they come to Europe as people just coming for the for the money and things like that. So I made it a point and when I prepared to come over that actually one I picked the right club two I bought into everything that were Quint, that was Quinn's that was yeah. that meant you know I socialized with the guys there weren't any Kiwis here when I arrived so it was only me so it forced me to to, to bond with these guys to yeah. form relationships so I think in doing that and then staying at the club and obviously performing it, you get a, a good deal of respect with that yeah. and now that I've made that transition there's there, there's that respect from those guys and yeah. that's to me as a person but I still have to back that up with the coaching you know philosophies and the coaching actions and 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 the rapport that i have with them now as a as a coach and yeah. i think that's somewhere some may fall down where they think they can just be that guy as a player and have the same relationships with the players as you are as a coach now yeah as i i found you can't mm. you, you've got to you got to yeah. separate that and, and that's hard yeah yeah that's very hard yeah of course it and again it's it's almost like allowing yourself to to fall into this new identity or to create also yeah. it's not fall into I guess you you know there was an identity there as a player and now there's an identity as a coach and it's building time to form that as well it and is that yeah means. it's um you know you socialize with these guys you, you've been through war with them you played like over 200 games with some of them um you know been to those dark places um you know you've had you've had failures as a group uh, you've had some absolutely wonderful times amazing times winning trophy you know we, we won trophies so all of that um was was had to be not put to the side but it, it's 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 a it is, it's a different relationship you have to have a different relationship mm. and it doesn't mean you're not friends with them and you see them and you have a joke with them and you know you might socialize as families together and things like that but there is a definite definite like barrier that you cross um and i think if you if you try and be what you were as a player i think one i i, I just don't think they get clear messages i, I think mm. they um they, 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 they probably don't respect I don't, I don't know you, it's hard you probably have to ask them but yeah. the, but for me I found the uh, the ability to form that different that kind of different identity as you, as you put it which is a great way of putting it like you are yeah it's a different identity I'm mm. coach Nick now you know mm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a tech coach now and this is what I do this is my role and my relationships are now to try and get the best out of the players and the best mm. out of the team is different to what I was as a player yeah yeah um, of course and I think as we talk about identity and the All Blacks talk about playing to a high purpose um, and I of course you're part of the Harlequins mm. club but in terms of and, and maybe this is something you're still exploring I don't yeah. know I'll ask you anyway in terms of your own personal higher purpose I mean your maybe your desired legacy is mm. that something that is clear to you um, I think yeah it is a little bit I think you know as I said uh, I, d I didn't want to be a coach I didn't think I was going to go down that pathway mm. Uh, along the lines I didn't think I was going to go down the pathway of being a professional rugby player mm. um, you know I think the wonderful thing about life is it ebbs and flows mm. uh, and you've you know it's like a stream you, you know it goes off one way it comes back again it might go off a different way um, so I, I think for me as a coach I, I as I said I, as I was doing it, I found I enjoyed it and it was something that I, I felt passionate about as, as the same as rugby then then I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice things to do the best I can mm. and um I think the the pathway now for me is clear in terms of the immediate future of what I want, and mm. then as as want to be an attack coach, want to help Quinns uh, 
you know, achieve everything that they can achieve. And then, you know, the stream might branch off another way. But at the moment, it's, it's a coaching stream. And that's mm. what I want to do. Um, what is it about coaching that really kind of, that I guess invigorates you, that is meaningful to you? What is that? The, yeah, what is that? Yeah, I, I think, one, it's still been part of the game that I love, that yeah. I've spent most of my life playing. Mm. Um, that's given me so much, uh, given my family so much, uh, so much joy. Um, you know, elevated me to the to the top of the world, and in terms of like where I was in the stature playing mm-hmm. for the All Blacks, um, and uh, what I've experienced over the years has been, you know, so great and and so rewarding that actually being now able to help other people do that mm-hmm. was a real kind of um, trigger for me to to get into that mm-hmm. into that side of it, and I think now it's a new challenge. I always found that as a player. I was better when I was challenged mm. um, and challenge might come in forms of criticism. It might mm. come in form of goals or, or challenge, right, we need you to do this, we want you to do this. Um, but I actually reacted better when people were giving me criticism because it was like all of a sudden I was challenged and it was put under pressure. And I think the, the top, for me, the top guys that who, who make the top, the players who make the top or maybe in, in, in all walks in of life walk, yeah. uh, are the ones that can respond to that that pressure and actually criticism is seen as a, as, a, as a challenge as a way well hang on a minute like they might not be doing things quite right or actually they're, they're putting the pressure on me this is where I operate at my best bang I'm going to go I'm going to grow um, so mm. for me now to be on that side of it to help these players do that it was brilliant and so for me it's a great challenge and aligned to my big expectations on myself is like yeah I want to be the best yeah yeah I, I want to be the best coach um, and I'm only at the start of it and I kind of see a pathway to get to there um, and yeah I'll, I'll, I'll try and get there as best I can. Yeah, it's no surprise given, <laughs> that, given that competitive we'll edge and I think as we come back to the courage to be so you mentioned challenge and I mm. often talk to I work with clients around you know really the courage to be challenged right yeah. and the fact that if we're not challenged you know we're, we're not we're not growing but I guess your comfort so to speak with being challenged Mm. with receiving feedback is this something that has developed due to the fact that you've been part of a professional sports environment because I just you know I I often think that like I know personally kind of feedback is something that I've always had had to work on um but part of me thinks that if you are a professional rugby player or any sports person it's hard to really avoid has mm. this enabled you to just become more familiar and more used to feedback yeah no 100 percent. i think the environment that that a professional sports organization organization sorry uh provides is that you are going to get feedback mm. uh, and you kind of you learn it's, it's something for me that i don't know some people might be brought up with it in terms of their family environment but it was something i definitely learned and kind of worked out that as I broached from semi-pro or club to semi-pro to, to professional super rugby and, and into the All Blacks was like, you're constantly giving feedback. You know, we, we play on a Saturday, you've got seven days to either fix something or improve something or, you know, work on something or, or get something better, than which, which was which was once you were good at, but make it a super strength or, or something like that. So mm. you're constantly getting feedback, whether it's... Um, on the run, whether it's like a two-second conversation, whether it's like a two-minute, whether it's mm. a sit-down, whether it's visual, whether it's feed. so we are constantly getting feedback, um, and 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 it is it's how you one for being on the co- putting the coaching hat on. It's how you work out which people can, you know, well which people react to the best feedback that you mm. give them. Um, 
I always found that that um, sitting down and and just face to face and and people yeah. actually being honest and, and giving me feedback was the best of me. Some people don't like that. Some people like you know. So is that something email. you've had to work out yeah, as you deliver I, I feedback you to the players? Yeah, hundred percent. And that and that's that's where you know this game's like it's it's just player management now. You know, yeah. like these guys where we're where we're operating at, they're they're high level athletes. Yes, some are better than others, but. They're there because they're good at rugby. Um, and yes, you want to improve them in all aspects, but actually you're managing these guys, you're managing their emotions, you're managing like how they learn, you're managing how they receive feedback, um, how they develop under pressure. And actually, so that side of it is actually, you know, I've never never been, um, you know, I haven't learned that, I haven't you know, studied that or anything like that, but you are mm. actually managing these boys kind of mentally in terms of how they do things. Um, and so you've got to find ways that, that, that you can get the best out of the players. And they're all, you know, we've got 60 on our, st- on our roster. So you've mm. got 60 different ways that people learn. So I, def- I definitely found that the environment, as, a, as, a, as I went forward, um, I just picked up. W- I watched and learned, and, and especially when the All Blacks was like, again, that player group was like, that's where the feedback came from. Mm. And you saw the ones, you also see that you see the ones that don't, that don't handle the feedback or can't take the feedback and don't grow. They're gone. They, mm. they just go and, and they disappear. You know, I wonder why you never. Yeah, I think it's, it's, you never yeah make it? it's the same in life, but I think it's just more obvious yes. in in sport. So yeah. it's just yeah, for even for listeners out there, I guess it's like, you know, irrespective of what it is they're working at or doing in life, feedback is is a big part of that. And, it's just how and you grow. It's, yeah, it's, it's a way to grow. And I think if you see it like that, if if, if you and you've got to be you've got to be open to it and, and some yeah, you know, sometimes it hurts you to mm. be told that you're not doing things right or actually this is this is not well. You need to, we need to you need you to improve this to, you know, if you want to mm. play, you know, I in the All Blacks I wasn't a starting ten, you know, Dan Carter was always the starting mm. ten, so I was constantly actually seeking feedback well how do, how do I get there like how do yeah. I, how can I how can I get to start some tests well mm. you need to do this and this and that actually you're not very good at tackling or you know you, you always fall off on your right shoulder or things like that and actually it stings but yeah it gives you clarity yeah you know, it gives, it it's gives information you it's information exactly yeah. and you know they it, you then if you if you improve that you can go well you asked me to improve that I'll improve that you know and sometimes it might come down to one coach who doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and then yeah. in that case, that, that's life, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, you know, with, with that clarity of what, what you want and, and, and being willing to, to then action those, uh, that, that feedback, yeah. uh, that, or critical feedback, however you want to um, yeah, call it. Yeah. And win and loss outcomes. So they're mm. a big part of your world. Um, in today's world, everybody is a platform to share their opinion through social media. How do you handle that feedback I guess maybe taking yourself back to your player days maybe the fan forums yeah. or even today as a coach how, yeah how do you handle it I think it's a yeah it's a different world now um when I was playing I'm trying to think like the All Blacks my last year the All Blacks maybe there was it was just starting to get into it like a little bit more I think um it, you know what? You know actually what what it is was actually back when I was playing, the feedback that you used to get would be like actually a fan would come up to you and talk to you and actually like maybe get in your face a little bit, mm. and actually when you think about it, it, it was actually better. Like mm. I would actually rather like a fan, and you, you, you know you had to dismiss it, and fans you know might have had a few beers or something like that, but actually they, they, they were more willing to actually come up and tell you you had a bad game, and mm. and actually that that actually stung, but it but it was more part of that kind of feedback that you get it was added to the information that, that, that you were getting and you knew you had a bad game and 
it was just that these guys were telling you and it wasn't mm. great but but now it, it just seems to be more more brutal and it's constant in terms of mm. what these guys what these guys get and I, I see it now as, as coach and I just try and avoid it avoid I try it, and avoid yeah. it yeah it's it's, yeah. it's for me it's it's information that I don't need as a coach yeah um, and for me it's information that the players don't need but unfortunately the world we live in is people mm. want gratification they want instant gratification they want um, to see if be or see if people are like what they're doing they want what they, they it, it seems to be that people want that so mm. it's 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 hard you know yeah. it's, it's hard especially as a player and I think on that same theme like the courage to be when we talk about the courage to be it's like our universal need is to you know we all want to be accepted to yes. be liked to be loved right and um that shows up in various different ways you seem to be somebody you strike me as someone who kind of is quite self-assured do you still have moments of maybe overthinking what other people might think of you or how you're being perceived yeah I, I think I do uh if I said honestly I think I don't want to say everyone does but I would I would think everyone's got mm. a certain amount of that um certain about that kind of quality in them I think I I'm very it's funny I, I'm very different to, to, to somebody or even even to my wife like she's very conscious of what people think I I'm probably the opposite end but I still I still feel what, mm. like people think you know I still want uh, I still want praise. Everyone loves praise. Mm. Yeah, everyone wants to be told you're doing a good job. Um, no one wants to hear that you're doing a bad job. But actually, if you're doing a bad job, you need to hear it. You need to clear uh, that that critical feedback to allow you to grow and change things and change your path and change your, your stream that you're going uh, down, so you can get better and improve. So I think there's a certain amount of that. Um, I think I've, I've I've managed to choose where where I get that from though. Uh, so in terms of like social media. I don't, I don't care. I don't yeah. care what people. I don't care yeah. what people think. There. That's a nice way of looking at it. Choosing where. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, for me, that has no bearing. Like what someone in Watford thinks about the way I'm coaching or the way <laughs> I was playing. Like it doesn't care. It has no impact on me whatsoever. Yeah. So and that's it's hard because it comes straight to you and, and you probably see it uh, yeah. when you're scrolling through your stuff. Um, you know, I, I learned as early especially from New Zealand and like information in the play, uh, in papers like again had no bearing on how I was going to play mm. like where the information came from was coaches and, and peer groups and players and family so there's a discipline around yeah, that yeah it's, it's you've got to choose like where you're going to get your information from and, and if, if you're comfortable with getting information through social media then you've got to bear what, what it gives you mm. you know if you're going to read it then it's something's going to be good something's going to be bad and you know most of it is, is people can hide behind it and and say whatever they want so mm. you, I think you've got to be you've got to be careful and you've got to be disciplined to choose what you want and you've got to have the courage to go look you know actually the information that I'm getting from certain even certain parts of your family like it might not might not be helping you you know it's not mm. helping you so don't worry about it like don't don't mm. let it influence what the path that you're on and yeah and it's interesting it. in com in my conversation with Pat Lamb a few weeks ago mm. who's in professional sporting as well he, he talked about a similar principle and really honed in on focus and was like it's it's just you know we have an we have a choice as to what we choose to focus on you know yeah. and there's a lot of people out there saying stuff that's not very flattering and no. if we focus on that it's obviously going to it's not going to move us forward no. in a positive way, you know. Um, We're so. using a thing now at the club, um, a lot of kind of, and this thing, I, I read a great book uh, where you're either above the line or below the line. And that, that can be, you know, your actions, uh, you know, your environment that you create, uh, your behaviours. Uh, you know, you, you've got a goal that you want, you know, uh, is what you're doing or that your behaviours, you, your mm -hmm. language, your environment, is that contributing to you achieving that goal? Mm -hmm. And then 
underneath it, below the line, are the things that aren't. You know, again, we go back to the, you're blaming, you're complaining. Um, mm. You know, you're just impulsive. You're reacting to things impulsively. You're not thinking. You're not thoughtful about it. And it's the same thing that we talked about there with the information that you're getting. Is like, is the information that you're getting, is the feedback that you're getting, helping you get to that goal? Mm. Um, and if it is, then yes, it might be critical, but it's helping you get there. Yeah. If it's not, don't don't worry about it. Don't yeah. waste energy on it. Yeah. Because it's not helping you. Yeah. It'll just it'll put you away from it. And if you could cherry pick one piece of advice that you've received over the years obviously you read a lot you've had a lot of coaches what would be that one thing that you kind of draw on um good question good question i i I think um i I think the clarity and the focus thing is is a big part of it Uh, i think as a player um i always i i I found out whenever i played well that i had clarity about my role i had clarity about what i was doing i had clarity about what was needed from me um when i didn't play so well I, I I didn't I found it didn't have clarity so whether that was me in my first all black trial um best bit of piece of advice and that was simple it's so generic but was my my coach at the time was like look just focus on the basis all you have to do focus on the base run catch pass as a 10 just mm. just that's all you need to go in there with your mindset have clarity on those three things and then the other things will then roll in with that um so simplicity, uh, uh, simplicity yeah, yeah simplicity exactly exactly and, and again you know we branch off like preparation and, uh, is, is the key as well but uh, i think if you've got clarity on your role if you've got clarity what's expected of you um you know so so paul you know gusto the guzzy our uh, you know head coach you know run, running the club is is i need to have clarity of what is expected of me mm. you know uh, from an attack point of view um what to deliver how it is and then the autonomy is is what i come up with but if, if I don't know what, what, what we're trying to do as a team, like where our goal is, um, you know, what's expected on this part of it, you know, what's he trying to do, how we're linked up with the defence um, and all that kind of yeah. stuff, then, then there's confusion, then there's non-clarity, then there's the players, don't, the players get mixed messages. Um, and I think for me is, is if you can get clarity in, in what your role is and what you're trying to do, it, it allows you to then plot your path, if you yeah. know what I mean. You don't have, yeah. you, you know, it's a steady, it's a nice river. You, you can see, you know, it's nice banks on either side. You, you can see the goal at the end of the tunnel. There's no kind of all these confusing kind of ways that you could go and they can pull you away from your goal. It's, mm. it's a nice, clear, you're, you're going straight down the river towards your goal. So Yeah, I like that. And I think if we think about our listeners in that context, it's, it's almost the word that's coming up for me as well, of just being very intentional. Mm. And, and I think that clarity, intention, um, but for anyone out there, whatever you're doing, it's, it's fine as long as there's intention and clarity around it. Yeah, and I, I know this is something that I've had to, st- you know, step back from a man, you know, especially being self-employed. Someday you go up, you show, and you just start working and you're like, oh, where, where am I going? Like, what's the clarity behind mm. what it is I'm doing? And I think, you know, I know that there's so many sports analogies that are now used yeah. in everyday life and in corporate, but so much of it is transferable yeah. and, and does make sense. Ask why, like why? It's, it's just kind of, why am I doing it? Like, what, what's my goal? Like, why? Why would I sit here and do this? Why would I? Why would I go and choose this way over that way? Is that helping me get to get into what uh, what I want to, which is your ultimate goal? So, yeah, it's. Um, I think, you know, it's it's not the, the right or wrong. I don't know, right or wrong. But for me, it's it's That's it's how I kind of yeah. I, no, I that makes total things. sense. And as we kind of move to the end and start to wrap things up, I'm going to kind of ask you the nutshell question, which is, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, what advice would I give to my younger self Um, I guess uh, you know what I I guess just to keep keep believing believing in what 
like the oh, it's a tough one that one I guess um, you know the when I look back the the environment that I had was 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 really good um, I, I think was the, the sacrifice that I made are worth it like uh, you know at the time you, you're always kind of questioning yourself you're like you're constantly questioning when you're young I was constantly questioning myself as I said the expectation of myself was like look actually you know far out am I is is is, is this good enough is this am I good enough what am I doing um you know and it kind of you, you can get in a bit of a spin where you get a little bit negative about it um I think is actually when you go back to the the courage to fail is you know I went through lots of lots of times where I, like I failed and mm-hmm. you know I was hurt but yeah hurt and you know this is it I don't want to do it um it's too hard you know again all that blame mm-hmm. claim uh, complain kind of stuff deny defend so I think would be like if I could if I had like recognized that earlier that the courage to actually fail was was okay and that would mm-hmm. learn from it then you know I don't know saying that I would I would still end up exactly the same like mm-hmm. I, I did end up working that out but yeah I, I would think that like those little failures like they add up to big positives in the end you know you take little bits from every time you fail um, so I think the the courage to to put yourself out there um, and and those failures is and then reflecting on it being able to reflect. Yeah, I think that's doing. really come strong today, which is which is a thing that I'm seeing over and over again from people who are successful. I, you know, I spoke about Ray Dalio and he, he talks about this. He, he, he really takes failures to the next level in terms of how he cherishes them mm. in the sense that he's like they're constantly it's almost enabling him to rewrite the principles that yeah. he knows work. But he's like, if I don't move through it and get the failure, then I I can't get that nugget of information to go to the next level. And I know hindsight's a great thing, it like is, you're yeah. saying, God, if I, but I, I still think that there was that thing within you that wanted it enough to reflect. I yeah. think there might be that momentarily, oh, like that's, it, it's too much or enough. But I think, you know, for, for some people, it might end there, yeah. which is, oh, I failed again, like enough. Yeah. I think it's maybe for it to take something from this as well as I, just to play with that reflection yeah. as, as kind of gritty and, and ugly as it may it feel. Yeah. Agree, <laughs> agree. And it's, it's you know, you, it's the old, the old saying, the old, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what mm. you get. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to go, oh, some, it's something, and it's, you know, even though I failed, oh, it's too hard. And, you know, I'll, I didn't, it was his fault. I'll do, I'll do this, do it again. If I do it again, I'll do it better. As I actually will reflect on it because mm. if you do the same thing again, you're probably going to get the same result. Um, so actually, it might take a little, a little, a little reflection actually to change your your path a little bit, mm. and actually it might lead you to to the outcome that you want. And with your reflection, I'm kind of going a bit deep no, here. No. But did you write out like how deep did you go into that reflection? Yeah, process? yeah. No, so I had a little book, um, and it was it was we had playbooks. So, uh, but I would write within it all the time. I was big on taking notes down. It was mm-hmm. another way that I learned uh, was was writing notes down and. Um, and then it allows you then to go and reflect mm. uh, because in the environment that you, are, you you write things down or if you don't write things out it's in your head you go out and you expend all this energy and you go to the well you come back in you're tired you forget you've forgotten everything mm. you know mm. the boys can only take one or two messages at half time you know we operate on that they can't mm. take any more than that because they just won't take it in so mm. I was constantly writing things down and yeah I, I actually found a, um, a book of when I was I got dropped from the All Blacks and I'd, I think we were playing Waikato and it was mid-season and I just had to be flicking through and it was a two-page and I'd written a massive pen. I said, do you want to be in all black again? 
and, and big letters and I, I actually answered it in the yeah. square I said fuck yes yeah. and I'd then again written that and underlined it and then I'd written under in big red pen well bloody act like it yeah, and, and, and so and I, I'd forgot, I'd totally forgotten I'd written that <laughs> but that brilliant. was just in the middle of my book so yeah it was it was it was I guess that's the type of reflection it was like you know like mm. reflect on what am I doing and, and at that time I just felt compelled to like well do I want to be mm. you know right do I want to be this is actually me you know emotionally putting this down on paper mm. and actually my answer was in big letters yeah I did mm. I, I did so but there had to be action to it yeah um, and that that was the next line was we'll act like it you know and yeah. then act like it would then was okay well then how and then you get into the how and the why yeah. but the actual act of writing that down was uh, an act of reflection for me um and so yeah it was that those are kind of little little yeah. things that i should keep that i know it is it's in my storage in new zealand <laughs> like, i kept it yeah yeah i think i put it on my um instagram too it was like it was just weird yeah. it was like a bizarre kind of yeah it was just it was just one of those things that that, that i did um, yeah. and it just kind of showed that that actually from then on that that next year i i made the all blacks and not saying that that's the reason why yeah, but, but there was that a, part it of it starts with an intention does, you know if, if you don't yeah if you don't take that time to stop and ask that question then exactly. yeah exactly nick this has been amazing thank you so much no my pleasure Thank you so much for listening. If there's something that you've heard in this episode that has resonated with you, or perhaps you think it could benefit someone else, then please do share this link or start the conversation. If you haven't done so already, click on the subscribe button in your listening app. And as always, I really value your feedback. So please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, full show notes, links and resources, you can pop over to my website, SineadMillard.com. See you next time back here on The Courage To Be.